we're doing Relationships Uncentered. Last, uncensored. Last week, we had Matt and Jamie who talked about singleness. It was great, wasn't it? Right, you walk away with that just going, it doesn't matter where you are in your life stage, where you find yourself, is just rest in the truth that God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Walk in freedom. Right, you don't have to be somebody else or be somewhere else or be in a relationship in order to be okay. Sweet, hey, great stuff. This week we're talking about relationships, talking about marriage. I think that some of the principles will flood over into relationships, whether, whether it's friendship relationships, it's relationships with moms and dads and kids and all that stuff. All right, so take, take these things and kind of sprinkle them through those things as well. As Lauren and I were talking a little bit about, so what should we talk about? Well, what would be helpful for people? Well, what comes up? Well, what seems to come up quite a bit is, uh, man, the less people say, you know, we, we don't know how to communicate. We, you know, we just don't talk enough. You know, he never talks. She always talks. So, so we're going we're gonna to pull that out a little bit today. We're going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about what the goal of good communication looks like. We're going to talk about how that gets hijacked. And we're going to encourage you to continue to move towards good communication, which we're going to define a little bit as being connected. You and I, we want to be connected. We, we, were, we were built to be connected. That's what God intends for us, that we would know Him. We would know the Father's love. We would rest in the Father's love. We would walk in our identity. When you get married, you make covenant. The covenant you make is that your spouse would be the best cheerleader of anyone on the planet, and they would remind you who you are, which is a child of God, loved by Him, heir with Christ. He delights over you. That's their job. That's your job as a spouse. That's what we've been wired for, but sometimes we kind of get lost in that connection doesn't go well, and so we need to learn to communicate better, which isn't necessarily talking more. It's not about talking a whole bunch, because sometimes, you know, when I have this thing going on, when I get this little thing then, uh, at the office when I help uh, pre-marriage couples, they fill out this thing, and it comes back that actually they talk a lot. And I ask them, oh, well, how's your communication? It's really good. Well, we stayed up last night till 3 o'clock in the morning. We were talking. We talk the whole time. And then we go down further on the uh, questionnaire, and I find out, oh, yeah, but... Uh, Oh, they don't feel understood. There's some things they'd like to say, but they're afraid to say them. Um, they don't do conflict very well. So it's not just about talking. It's about communicating and being connected. So we want to pack some of that for you. We're going to start with some verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, so you might ask, like, why is he talking about marriage? And we're not kind of talking about some of those marriage passages like submit and respect and all that stuff. Okay, well, we're, it's okay. I'm going there. We, we could do that. And that's, uh, yeah, someday we will. Uh, you know, we'll let Matt do that one. <laughs> so we're just going to pull out the, the good ones here from First Thessalonians. No, Corinthians. Often, it's not uncommon that at weddings, this passage of Scripture will be used, which is often called the love chapter. Okay, so we're, we're going to read some of those verses here in a minute. We'll just set it up for you a little bit. Corinthians, lots of stuff going on, heavy stuff. And Paul's writing to them and and addressing it. As he gets to these uh, uh, chapters here, 11, 12, 13, he's talking about spiritual gifts. And it's like there's a competition going on. Um, these are better. Those aren't as good. 
And he's coming and landing the plane and saying, folks, you're missing the point here. You, you, can, you can sing like an angel, but if you don't have love. You could be the most sacrificial person on the planet, but if you don't have love. So as we come to relationships, we're going to pull out these verses. We'll highlight a few of them along the way. And here as we set it up is uh, what he describes as what love should be and the definition of love. Okay? So we'll start with chapter 13. We're starting in verse 1. It says, If I could speak with all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed, possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything... I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body I could, and could boast about it. And Pastor Matt would be very proud of me, but if I didn't have love, if I didn't love others, I would be gaining nothing. And then these verses are the familiar ones. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong, of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never fails. It always, it's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So we often use that at weddings. And uh, we set the bar high for couples. And uh, we already know they're going to fail. Because nobody can live up to all this. But what this is, is giving us the, the standard the call, the desire that we desire to be loved like this and others would like us to love them like that. It's not doing it perfectly. It's about being clear on these are elements of what it looks like to love. Okay, so so hold that. Let's go to the connection piece. Different ways to describe it. We're going to describe it three ways. One way is um, Sue Johnson in her book, Hold Me Tight, she developed a... uh, 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 psychological theory called emotional focused therapy and it comes from the attachment uh, model so if you're familiar with attachment stuff uh, neuroscience stuff uh, it's like from the cradle to the grave we have needs for attachment so even as a child when God has created them in such a way that they cry when something's not right and then the mother or the father goes and meets that need they begin to develop something which is I am they, they cry and the need is meet, met and now they know that they are. It begins to develop the reality of what it means for them to be known and know and it helps them to understand the reality of attachment. Somebody is meeting that need. So attachment needs are the desire for emotional connection, to have contact, to be cared for, to be comforted, to be accepted, to have a place of belonging, to have togetherness, to be loved, to have value and safety. So she pulls this down, and she says, in relationships, we need to understand it's about emotional connection. It's about the reality that God's created us to be attached. We want to be loved. We want to be valued and accepted. She suggests, here's something to keep in mind as to what it means to have this happen between a couple. She uses this acrostic, R. Are you accessible? Are you emotionally available to your partner? Are you responsive? Can I rely on you to respond when I need you engaged? 
Will you engage me and give me your attention? Okay, so one way to describe what it means to communicate well is to understand clearly that you have an attachment reality and that your significant other wants to know these things. Are you in their corner? Are you standing with them? Emotionally, can you, can you come alongside them? Are you present with them? Can they count on you? That's one model. Here's another model. Some of you may have heard of the authors um, Jeff and Shanti Feldhahn, and they've written some books um, for men only and for women only. And so in those books, they talk about the opposite person. So for men only, um, Jeff and uh, Shanti say, women um, don't feel permanently loved once the marriage papers are signed. We know you love us, but we don't always feel the assurance of your love. And we need to be reminded of that and assured of that. Um, those of you who have been to weddings, there's a joke that goes around at the reception often, and it's, you know, the wife says to the man, how come you never tell me you love me anymore? And you mustn't love me. And he says, I told you I loved you when I married you, and if it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> doesn't work. And, and everybody laughs because they know that just doesn't work. The Feldhans say that it's not surprising that women need to feel loved, what is a surprise is that buried inside most women, even in good relationships, there's an ongoing insecurity about whether their man really loves them and whether the relationship is okay. This sense of vulnerability may usually be under the surface of their minds, but when it is triggered, look out, most women show signs of distress until... That question in them is answered, whether they're irritable, they're upset, they just don't, don't touch me, whatever it might be, right? There's an underlying question of, do you really love me? So the, their research continues, right? And so for women, that primarily they, they desire to be loved. Um, uh, and for men, they desire to be respected. So just continuing a little bit more with the point that uh, Lorinda's highlighting is for men to be wise to uh, read the signs. Um, uh, yeah, get, get your, uh, get your uh, spidey senses on. You know those spidey senses when you uh, walk into the shop there and there's kind of like a heaviness in the room and you, you kind of know what's, you can feel like something's going on. Or you know when, as a salesman, you're a really, really good salesman. Because when you walk in the office, you read that situation pretty quick. Is this a no-nonsense kind of guy i got to sell to? Or, or is this guy the guy, i got to talk about golf and his last hunting trip and kind of massage it a bit and then go to the sales? Okay, those things, put those on. Use those gifts and skills you have. And understand that for a woman that sometimes she needs to continue to be reassured. How, how does that kind of look? What are the, the signals? It might be might be your wife asking, hey, hey, honey, do you love me? And you're thinking, okay, I didn't do anything. I don't think I did anything wrong. <laughs> and when I left this morning, I did say on the way out, I love you, hon. I don't know where that question's coming from. Okay, re read the signs. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe there's a shortness. Maybe there's a, it's a little louder in the house, so to speak, than it used to be. 
maybe, 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 maybe dial into that. So, what, what's uh, hi, honey? What's going on? Right? Maybe when you know when you have that that quiet time, guys. When we're in our nothing box, you know, maybe you're in the garage, you're at the computer, or you're watching the game, and you know, life's chaotic, and kids are jumping off the tables and all that stuff, and you just kind of watch the game, and and uh, you can hear something going on. Right? So, something else is happening in the room. And, and you're not sure why, kind of why your wife's doing what she's doing, um, right, right? Like, tune, tune into it. Like, hey, 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 there's something she needs from you, which is to know, to be reminded of. I got you, babe. No, I love you. I see you. What, what's going on? Why, why? What did I do or what didn't I do? That's a great question. Honey, I've said that to Lorinda, so sweet. It's a bit uh, loud in the room, even though no one's talking. Uh, sweetheart, did I, did I do something or is there something I didn't do? Right? Because she needs to know that she's loved. Go to the men's side on the respect side, so the other book that they wrote. Right? Men have a need to be respected. When they don't feel respected, they feel unloved. M- most women love their men. They might not like them all the time, but they love them. But they sometimes don't understand that some of the things that they might do might cause a man to feel like they don't appreciate who they are and don't respect what it is they bring and offer, which then causes them to question. They're wondering. It doesn't matter what I do. It seems like it's not good enough for you. And they carry this. Okay, now now here's, here's, here's a piece that would be helpful for women to understand. That when you cross the line of disrespect, something happens in a man. Yeah, it's called anger. I, I know it's not good. I know it's not good. But it bubbles up. We, we, can, we can fine-tune the anger. We can look at its frustration, disappointment, maybe anger. Because now he's, he's got to defend himself. Dr. Emerus, Emerson Igerich, in his book and in his ministry called Love and Respect tries to bring some understanding to that in order for us to catch each other. In a relationship conflict, crying is often a woman's response to feeling unloved. And anger is often a man's response to feeling disrespected. Hey, 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 hey. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah, don't fight each other. Yeah. Understand there's a deeper thing going on and come together and talk about those deeper things and move towards each other. The other thing that Rin and I have used throughout our life by way of helping us to work towards being committed is we've used the analogy of sports, um, and we say we need to be on the same team. Early in our, in our marriage, uh, after we'd taken some schooling, we did the Larry Krabs model and talked about primary things, and the way that he couched it is you want it to be loved, and God's created you have impact in this world. You want it to be accepted, and you want it to be valued. You want to know above all else that your spouse is on your team helping you fight for those things for her and for you. Be on the same team. Don't fight each other. So there are some helps and hindrances to having good communication. And one of those things is life. Life happens. Um, Sue Johnson in one of her books says that it is not uncommon when a couple has a baby, um, which we all know is very stressful, you're sleep deprived, 
but it's also a time when some of those attachment fears start to come up. Um, The man might think something like, I know it's wrong, and I know it's pathetic, but I feel like I lost my wife to my kid. And then the woman might say, when I had the baby, I felt so fragile. I was taking care of this little being, and I just needed extra comfort and caring for myself. But he was out working all the time. Their intentions are good. She's caring for the infant as she should, and he's working hard to support his family. But they failed to give each other what they really need, that assurance of their love and, and their, who they are in their relationship. Um, I remember for us, um, when we were in our baby's stage, um, Calvin would be gone a lot, and during the day, and then he'd come home for supper, and all I had done all day, well, eventually we had four kids, and that's a lot of hugs, and a lot of holding, and cuddling, and talking. By the time he came home, I was done. I didn't want to be touched, I didn't want to be hugged. I just had had enough. So, of course, what's he going to feel when he hugs me, and I'm like, he's going to feel rejected. Like, I don't want him. Like, I, he's not important to me. And so we had to talk about that. That was not the case. He was important, but I just needed to, and just kind of go, okay, wait, this is not my kids. This is my husband. He needs to know that he's important to me too. But it's pretty easy if we don't talk about that for our minds just to start going in their own direction and just blow the thing completely out of proportion. Um, when I... Calvin works three or four evenings a week. He always has. And um, in his counseling ministry, it's, it's the same. Um, and I remember there was many times over the years where all of a sudden we get to a point where I just had to become really independent. I had to learn to be strong, to, to deal with the kids, deal with situations at home. And I'm very social. And so... I'd go out with my friends. I'd, you know, get a sitter, or if he was going to be home, or once the kids got a little bit older and they could watch themselves, um, I'd go out with my friends because that was where my connection was coming. During the day, I'm talking to my friends, and then I, I go out with them, and that's where all my connection was coming from. And I didn't really want to be with him. He said, hey, do you want to do a date night? Such and such. No, I'm going out with so-and-so, actually. Or if he talked about a date night, it was like, I suppose we could. And as long as we don't talk about finances on that date, it's all good. (laughs) So I had to, we had to sit down and have a good talk about Mm -hmm. this because we were disconnecting completely. And it's happened just a a few times in our marriage where all of a sudden we went, oh, wait a second. There's some real disconnection here because we weren't meeting each other's needs. We weren't connecting and talking, so it wasn't filling me up. So I was finding it somewhere else. And that's really not a good thing. We need to keep that, that connection open. Some of you, your reality is your husband works out of town for two, three weeks at a time, maybe even a couple of months. I know I have a teacher in my school. Her husband's gone for at least a couple of months at a time, and she works full time and has two little kids. And I'm like, you are my hero. Like, I don't know how she does it. And that is a really, really difficult reality. Um, 
So as the wife, you're at home, you're, you're making life happen. You get into a routine. You've got those kids into shape and everything is going like this. And your husband comes home and it just messes everything up. And that can be really frustrating depending on your personality and how you've stayed connected. So I've often heard this from women. Yeah, my husband comes home and he just messes everything up. He doesn't listen to me how I want, like how we've been doing things, blah, blah, blah. And like legitimate concerns and frustrations. And so they have not spent time connecting. Uh, nowadays, we are so blessed with FaceTime because at least you can see each other and talk. And um, the whole phone thing, right, that staying connected. And even day two, husband going, okay, honey, we got to talk because I'm feeling pretty useless and I'm feeling like you don't want me around. Right? I've heard that from people. That's how their husband is feeling. And it's not that she doesn't want him around. It's that this has been life for the last two months. And now it's got to change for a week, two weeks, whatever it is. And that's really hard. So connecting, talking. Okay, you're feeling that, no, that's not how I want you to, f it's not what I mean, honey. I, I want you to be a part, but let's figure this out together. And then even while you're gone, um, you know, constantly connecting, talking about not just how your day was, but how you doing? Oh, I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too. You know, what? dream a little bit on the phone. Hey, what are we going to do with the kids this summer or whatever, right? Like that, just that connection time makes all the difference in the world. Okay, so we can, you can hear how it's pretty easy to get disconnected. Then you get uh, disappointed, then you, uh, you fall to your strengths and you work a little harder. You hide a little more. Maybe get a little louder. Lay the rules down a little bit more. Okay? And, and keep, keep getting divided. Okay? So this whole piece about knowing what it is you would like. Knowing what connection means. And then being careful because life happens to not allow life to cause disconnection. Okay? Here's another part. Another point is personality. So uh, look at this slide here. We'll just read through it a little bit. This is uh, Thomas' concept. It's the patterns of core strengths. Some really good stuff. There are six patterns, and we're uh, highlighting. No, go back. Don't show them that one yet. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. Sorry. I go, that's the second one? Thanks. Yeah, there's a good one right here. Look at this slide. And we got thinking and risking, okay? Um, I'll read the thinking side, and Lorena's going to read the risking side. And guess why? So a thinking strength has a thought followed by an action. And the risking strength is an action followed by reflection. A thinking person is emotionally reserved. And a risking person is emotionally expressive. Decisions are driven by rational analysis. Decisions driven by intuitive feel. Mistakes are felt to be a failure to prepare properly. Mistakes are less impact and, oh, way to learn. We prefer to learn through concepts. Prefer to learn through experience. Plans to avoid failure. Views failures start as the start of my next opportunity. Like structure and routine. Dynamic and changeable. Tends to plan and then take the risk. Tend to be impulsive in their risk-taking. Seize the risk. Courage to move in spite of the risks. So we've kind of read individually 
reflections of who we are. Okay, so then, then look at this next slide. Does that make sense? Range of emotional expression. A risking person, their range of 1 to 10 is there, and a thinking person's range of 1 to 10 is there. It's like at a 6. So when I'm talking at a 10, it's actually a suggestion to her. Yeah. Did, did, you know if, did you know for risking people that parking signs are actually suggestions? Did you know that? The parking lot's full. I couldn't find anywhere to park. So I parked here. Yeah, but it's a handicap. I'm just going in for a minute. Or, or when you have a discussion about budget. I'm pretty clear. I was talking like at an eight, nine, maybe even nine and a half. And then the next day something arrives at the house. I'm going, okay, I'm confused. Right, do you understand that? You're in the boardroom with a bunch of risking people and you're a thinking strength. You're making suggestions. They can't hear you unless you understand you need to bend towards the truth of you need to speak at a 15 to get to their 8. Do you understand? You've got to do the PowerPoint. You've got to bring all the pamphlets, lay it all out so they can hear you. Okay, all right? Same in relationships to understand that dynamic so that we can hear each other. Previous to that, the strength of our personalities became a weakness. I married Lorinda because of all that stuff on the right side. She's a party person. She married me because I'm pretty laid back, kind of quiet, thinking, steady Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. But there's weaknesses, there's weaknesses both of those. Cal, how come you're not saying anything? How come you're not engaged? I'm just thinking. I didn't know you wanted me to say anything. <laughs> okay, right? That, that, that spins out and goes on and on. If you don't understand those dynamics, it's easy to get hijacked and not have connection because your personality strengths that drew you to each other now become places where they cause you to be divided. I'm going to kind of jump pretty quick. Okay. The verbal processor can also sound like they're complaining all the time because we just need to process it in our head or outside of our head. We need to hear ourselves talk about it because it just helps us to process, whereas for a thinker, it's inside. Um, We don't mean any harm. Uh, We just need to keep it to process it with somebody else. Whereas a thinking processor might think that, um, just might like it if the verbal processor could use a bit different tone or words most of the time. Um, Not all the time because everyone is human and sometimes things just need to be said with a bit more emotion. Okay, so can you hear that? Like, um, sometimes people with this giftedness, their processing sounds like, Sounds like complaining. Sounds like they're nagging. But they're just just doing life. It's okay if it can be maybe uh, at times adjusted, but you can't stop that. It's who they are. So to understand that, you don't have to take it personally. Sometimes it gets triggered. Either personality can get triggered. Those strengths can become weakness. Now the thinking personality is actually hiding. Now he's disengaging. He, she, 
Now he, she, depending on the personality, risking verbal processor is now using their words to berate rather than express. What are those triggers? Just briefly, watching the time here a bit, we got to roll. Okay, family stuff. You and I, God created us in the family. God intended that family would be a place where we would understand God's love for us and his value, that he's gifted us so we could walk in freedom. Our parents did the best they could, but they were imperfect. They're on a journey. They could not be everything that we needed them to be all of the time. Otherwise, they would be God. And so in those moments and times, sometimes when we were disappointed, we had to figure those things out, but we weren't mature. And so we came up with belief systems about ourselves, others, and our world, and they're connected to that emotion, and we made an agreement to them. Gives them the right to speak. We made a vow to them. Gives them a right to speak. Spiritually, we call that a stronghold. Gives them a right to speak. So sometimes when you and I act like a 12-year-old, it would be wise to understand something's got triggered and you and your spouse try to figure out what it is rather than continue to act like somebody who's emotionally not mature. To figure it out, to team up together, to find out what it is about. Okay, let's go to point three, hun, and uh, yeah, land the plane. Staying connected, okay? What's primary? That you communicate well. There's all kinds of ways to communicate, right? All kinds of ways, right? Understand those things. Understand your love languages. Do the Chapman thing, Gary Chapman thing, five love languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understand what's primary is to stay connected and how you two fight for that and work towards that. Keep the main thing the main thing. What we want to encourage you to do is to keep dreaming, enjoying your marriage, and planning together. And we really want to encourage you guys to keep fighting for your marriage. Even if you're our age, we got a lot of years left yet. We have to be together. So. We, we get to be together? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll reframe yes, that for you. Yes, we get to be together. Um, and so I don't. I don't want to just exist with him. I want to embrace life and enjoy life because there's so much to be, to be experienced together. We have all this history. We have children. We have 33 years of history that will never happen again. It's us. And for us to give up now and just say, meh, it's, it's amazing to me how many people... The spouses do their own holidays with their friends. They rarely holiday together, you know, separate bank accounts, separate everything. Like, they just, they live in the same house. That's it. And I just feel so sad for them because there is so much more um, to, to marriage than that. Feldhan says, as a man, you pursued her. Continue to pursue her. It prevents a lot of insecurity. It fills her emotional bank account. She still deeply desires and needs to be pursued in your marriage. So what do I do? You may be asking as men, what do I do? How do I pursue my wife? I don't know how to pursue my wife. Well, do what you did when you were dating, if you can remember that far back. When you just became so irresistible to your wife because of those things, 
know it might look a little different now, but you know what? She wants you to pursue her. Even if it doesn't go so well the first few times, keep trying. It's hard. I know it's hard. Ladies, pursue your husbands even, right? Um, The serving thing comes in a lot when you're married. Serving each other without expectation of having something back, right? I pick up his underwear and socks all the time just because... He f- I guess he forgot again. <laughs> and men need to be respected, by, feel respected by us as wives in how they provide their parenting involvement, appreciated when they go the extra mile and, and serve us in unexpected ways, and when they do pursue us. Marriage requires a certain amount of servant heart, and when we each serve each other, it helps us to feel loved and respect it. Okay, let's land it. You're writing a story with your life. What's the story that you're writing? You're writing a story with your relationship. What's the story that you're writing? What's the story you would like to write? God would like you to be clear on what's primary in your relationships and in your marriage relationship. Fight for what it is you would like and for what God would like for you. Dream together. I don't know what's happened in your world. Today we've tried to highlight a few things as to the clarity of what it means to communicate well, which is connection. There's things that hijack that. It disappoints me when I have couples that come to my office who are 60 years old, 65. They've got their careers completed. They've got good cash in the bank. The kids are good. They've got grandchildren, but they don't like each other anymore. They're not in love with each other anymore. They love each other, but they're not in love because they didn't tutor their relationship well. They allowed disappointments in their life to separate rather than teaming up and dealing with the disappointment so actually they could grow closer together and reflect the Father's love more to each other. It's not over yet. Don't be stuck. Don't stay stuck. Step forward and move towards what's primary. Work towards forgiveness and rebuilding trust so you can experience what you signed up for when you made your vows. Because God would like that for you. And you would like that as well. And so would we. Thanks. Just as the band plays, yeah, think about those things. He is good. He's good all the time. Yeah, rest in his identity. And you, your relationship, when your spouse is not able to love you in the way that you would like, Rest in his goodness. You don't need your spouse to love you perfectly in order for you to be okay. You already are okay because he is good. This is, a, this is a street that runs pretty close. You would love, like your spouse to love you so you would know God's goodness and love for you more. They can't do it perfectly. When they can't, rest in his love. So you're okay, so you can continue to love. <laughs> it's good stuff. And I want to encourage you to celebrate. 
celebrate each other. Hey, I don't want to grow old and be a grumpy old guy. I want to grow old and be freer than I am today because I know his love and I let that love leak out to the people around me, including my spouse. I believe that's what God would like for you. Yeah, because he delights in you. You know, when it, when it was your birth date, he celebrated. And every year when it's your birth date, he really likes you and he celebrates you. Whatever excuse you can find to celebrate your spouse and others around you, back it's good because they need to remind it who they are and that you care for them respect them and love them because all of us leak and we need to be reminded yeah let's close together in prayer father thank you thank you that you're good all the time we know you're the one that's come you're the one that wants us to know your love so we can walk in freedom in our lives people around us, including our loved ones and our spouse, are unable to love us in all the ways that we desire. We don't deny those desires. We don't want to throw them away. We, we don't want to try to belittle them. We want to actually let them speak, but not be undone by them because we're okay, because you know us and you love us and our soul is all right. Lord, help us to do that well. Help us to be clear on what's primary resting in your love and letting your love leak out and pursuing connections so that our spouse and loved ones know that we're for them. We're in their corner. We see them. We value them. We accept them. We love them and we respect them. Wherever we are today, we just ask that you would come. We give you permission, Lord. Yeah. To help us. To let go of what we need to. Not a denial of hurt be clear on what rebuilding of trust looks like but to forgive and release so we can walk in freedom yeah thank you lord for our time together and this week this day yeah help us to rest in you and enjoy each other and be your mirror of love to those around us and help us be open to accepting the love as others are jesus to us i pray these things in your name lord amen have a good week. We're going to ask the prayer uh, folks. They're welcome to come up. Uh, they'll come up to the front here. You're welcome to come, and they'd love to pray for you. Anything that's uh, on your heart or mind uh, doesn't have to be anything heavy. It can be, but we'll invite them to come up, and we just invite you to come as well. If you'd love to have somebody pray with you, come on to the front. They'd love to do that. Thanks. Have a good week.